Chapter 14, Burn the Boats The dinner which was spent two times longer than usual due to the various topics being opened has ended peacefully. Still, specks of lasered gazes have been crisscrossing the two sides of the table. Specifically from the three who have been obviously kept calm to avoid creating the opposite of how their dinner ended. Enid is currently being entertained in the living room. It took a few convincing for the brunette to trust her family members alone with Sinclair. They shared sly expressions from her dithering, being vocally loud with dismissing her impractical concern. We would only tell stories to Enid, darling, Miriam tells, hooking her hand to the blonde's arm. Your gorgeous lady might want to tell us something about herself as well. Enid mouthed, it'll be all right, giving a nod that signifies their dismissal. Alone with Theodore and Gomez in the billiard room of the manor, the thick walls with hanging paintings, books, and ancient artifacts allowed the voices in the living room to be completely muffled and for their voices not to be heard outside, all of the words spoken entering only the ears present in the room. Tomorrow, we will try. Theodore rubbed chalk on the tip of the cue stick while walking around the nine-foot table. What specific measures will be taken? The raven asked. I will have Puxley, Fester, and I play chase with her. The sound of balls colliding resonated in the room as they scattered across the table. Three striped balls entered the pocket from different corners. He looks back to his niece and heaves a sigh before focusing back on the cue ball as he'd seen disapproval. She has already consented. He stated, knowing that the goth would not dare to interfere with the decisions already made by the blonde. And no, you cannot join. Do not be ridiculous. We will end up being the ones chased by you. Wednesday elbows his ribs to move him aside after his second attempt that failed. He grunts and laughs, feeling his bones with his fingers to confirm if none was broken. Apparently, he was sincere in trying to help Enid transform. Due to him being the only present wolf in the bloodline at the moment, only he could testify to the things that are normal and abnormal with lycanthrope. He claimed that Enid is not a lone wolf, arguing that lone wolves do not have the faculty of having theirs shift to what their wolf form has. Gomez, who stood beside his brother offering a pack of cigarettes, is fully supporting the idea of Theodore. She's now an Adams, she will adapt to our ways. I'm afraid I would end our bloodline if I saw her state under your brutal tendencies. It roughs up a person from this belligerent world, Mija. She did not respond, with a precise amount of force, the striped ball bounced to the rack hitting the solid that rolled into the right pocket. Once again the stick rubbed back and forth to her pointer and thumb, and two balls sunk making up for her uncle's points. Her mind as well has dropped into different holes that were not as narrow as her emotions make her be. It would be in every practical perspective. Absurd to be the only one capable of handling rough edges. It has been in her intention from the start to make Sinclair walk out of the box she has been living, explaining why she has specifically said in their first meeting, 
Enid would be her own person when Esther, with her obvious goal of fulfilling only what the majority would want, handed her child as she was a mere object to be owned by anyone that has scripted their signature. Enid shan't be controlled by anyone except her own. What Wednesday wants is the assurance that her woman would leave claw marks on anyone that is crossing the line. To be dependent not only on others, but also on herself. Wednesday desired to be behind like a shadow, ready to come out when needed. It would be for the best that she won't keep the model only to the comforting side, Enid must know, that even the purest contains a tainted part, and that's what makes it whole. You've been calculating far too long, dear. Would you mind sharing where your mind has been? A sigh escapes her lips. This is exactly why she finds any relationship a hindrance to rationality. When emotions get ahead, they stop logic, they stop being reasonable. I have read that first transformations of werewolves are feral. Theodore cuts off Gomez. The ball jumped off the table with the amount of force exerted by the brunette. Apologies, she casually replied, planting the stick on the ground. Enlighten us, Tio. Theodore watched the sphere roll on the red carpet, none of them moving to pick it up. Depending on the reason you transformed you'll be fixated on. Feeling the glory of it being done. There is a huge craving, thirst. He explained. I had no parents growing up. The last traced wolf in the family is far back in the forties. Father who has raised me along with Gomez does not have any experience with raising our kind of species. Nonetheless, he was a good man, your grandfather is the best father figure I could ever wish for. I could attest to that. The two brothers smiled, their throats vibrating in a low heartful chuckle. Gomez is a smart man, while I would rather have my body dumped in a pile of mud than in books. I am more like your Uncle Fester, we had that childish spirit, he's still weirder than I am. The door opened with a bald head sticking through. My nose felt ticklish. Is this gathering about me? The mentioned man shut the door close after he walks in. Tis not about you, brother, you were just briefly mentioned. Fester rubs his palm and picks up the fallen sphere, his lips in his signature wicked grin. You may stay if you'd like. I am not planning on leaving, Gomez. I cannot accept a private discussion of my two brothers and my niece without me being included. He threw the ball to the table not caring about the game mechanics, and roamed around to study the hanged head of a bull. Go. Continue with the discussion. I won't be still. The three who were interrupted turned their heads away from him. Very well, as I was saying, I always had restricted myself not to do things too much in fear of being kicked from a household that wasn't mine in the first place. Theodore. He puts up his palm, shushing his brother. This is not a pitiful speech, Hermano. This family opened me to embrace what I truly am without judgment. I significantly adjusted, and I felt free. 
I acted free. The wolf in me felt proud of letting myself be unrestricted, and I transformed in the middle of hunting with father, you, and Fester. Ah, how limpid it is in my memories. Fester and I ran the fastest, and we have not even got a chance from the distance you set. Wednesday cuts them off from reminiscing. What happened? I did not harm anyone, but I lost control of my senses. He ran around like a madman. Fester cackles. I was so confused about wanting to go around outside the house and come back to them standing outside watching me, I nudged the others out of affection, albeit with a force that sent them to the ground in happiness. As I now recall it made sense that I only kept repeatedly running outside the manor, this is the place that I find myself unboxed, Libra. I will die for this family, Sabrina. The tension in the room felt too, emotional. How unsettling. That explains why I am planning different ways that could potentially unlock her wolf. Theodore cuts the silence. What would the first one be? Playing with her like wolves do. It would be too disheartening for us lichens to be chased and caught. Wolves are not prey, it's my turn, isn't it? He walked back as Wednesday stepped aside, he bent his upper half and positioned himself. As he held the stick. A black flag you'll be guarding in the forest shall be found by her before we, he pushed his right arm, the cue ball harshly bouncing, sinking a stripe. Find her. Wednesday's jaw clenched. And if you found her first. As I said, no lichens will allow themselves to be caught without a brawl. Fester's electricity sizzled on his fingertips. Your first test is how much she'll put up a fight. Can I then use my powers? Enid has consented to everything aside from killing her in the process. Gomez laid a hand on the tensed raven's shoulder. Tapping lightly as he ushered, put some trust in Enid, Heja. Besides, her healing abilities are impeccable. Am I right, Theodore? Yes, alongside her fast reflexes, claws, and eyes. She can do it, we just have to push her. From what I heard, her family seems to be an undeniably harsh people to be with, encouragement appears to be a denied existence. Wednesday scrutinized him, looking for any indication of dishonesty. And you think that Enid will be encouraged with your hunting play? He continued playing, successfully feeding the pocket on the top left of his position. He squints his eyes along with the smug display on his lips. I see you still have little knowledge of our kind. The stripes have all vanished from his consecutive flourished shots. You must abide by our conditions and help us, help her. The course of the game ended within minutes only to be restarted as they fished out the pockets and rearranged the balls. I can show you how it is for her to feel what I felt, I won't make her hold back. Everyone except the blonde noticed a prominent creep of red stealthily on the raven's neck as they came back to the living room. The others have already left. 
Your aunt made me wear various dresses. They are so funny hyping me up and having me walk around the living room. Aunt Miriam and Morticia had joined me when I taught them how to do it. Actually, they had such a nice walk even before I taught them, Enid attaches herself to the brunette without hesitation. With only the two mentioned people left along with the blonde in the living room, the mutual glances have only been shared with the three brothers on her back that followed. Oh dear, the dove replied. Her lips were painted cunningly. To have a daughter sharing the same grace, even more than what I possessed, is so much more entertaining. Enid beamed as soon as she realized what she was labeled to be. Aunt Miriam told me to keep this. I would definitely wear this to an important event. Puxley, who walked with Thing, crouches down and then pinches the fabric below. It's a better version of what Festus' late fiancé wore. I thought I was the only one that noticed you really look like Debbie. Fester maniacally played with the electricity on his hand. History better not repeat itself. He spat. Enid is not like Debbie. That wretched woman shall not ever be compared to my fiancé. Wednesday swatted her brother's hand. Debbie used to have blonde hair, pastel clothing, and lipstick in vibrant shades of red. She may have the same outer attributes as Sinclair, but their personality is far from the same. Debbie is a human who committed acts of crime, killing, arson, stealing, all of such are forgiven, but using their fortune and forging. The candle she has is a huge disrespect to the family. Still, a woman that knows how to play her cards has earned her a space in the backyard of the Adamses. Enid Heger, would you like to take your portrait tonight? The two of you appear dressed for such occasions. Right, their portrait. I agree, would you prefer to have it done tonight, loose MIA? The blonde nodded. Thing was then sent together with the snickering Puxley to get the camera. He shouted as he walked away, I thought I heard you wrong for calling her that at dinner. No one's safe from the curse. What curse? Wednesday palmed the back of Enid, lips shut from the question. Where would you prefer our picture to be taken? The change of question was noticed in how Enid took pause. She brushed it off with a slight squeeze of the brunette's arm. There is no need to switch location, Wednesday. Gomez has taken the hint from his wife and carried the grandeur chair Morticia always uses in taking portraits with the family. Your father and I have done it at the very same place for our first. I do not wish to follow everything you and father have done. Clearly, you're doing the opposite. Enid's giggles vanished her ferocity. Wednesday directed her to sit in the set chair, her sleeves yanked slightly before she got onto the side. May I? Enid asked while looking down at her tie that was askew messily knotted from pulling it as she played the billiard a while back. Please, Wednesday responded. Enid reached up and gently tugged at the tie, which was made of smooth black silk. Her fingers lingered on the fabric, feeling the slight texture of the weave. She adjusted the knot, 
making sure it was centered and snug against Wednesday's collar. Enid's hands moved slowly, deliberately, convincingly savoring the sensation of the tie, everything even the proximity. Wednesday was unsure why Enid was taking her time, but something about this moment felt intimate. Finally, the blonde stepped back, admiring her handiwork. The tie was perfect, the knot crisp and clean. She looked up at Wednesday, who was watching her. We got it. Theodore ruffled Pugsley's hair. Setting and adjusting the camera, the others gather at his back. Enid sits and crosses her leg, Wednesday moves one side of Enid's hair, fingers grazing the bare skin of her off-shoulder dress. She can almost feel the other girl shiver from the slight touch. On cue, the camera flashed. Her bedroom has been cleared from her odd collection of body parts of dead and alive specimens. Regardless, the light barely illuminated the dark walls and closed thick curtain. The blonde had seemed to expect that it would be similar yet darker than what she'd seen in San Francisco. She showed no signs of surprise from how it looked. I thought I'd see demonic posters. Her eyes roamed around each corner of the room. I do not worship demons nor God. Some of my things, the ones you're expecting to see have been moved. To the basement. Yep. I know I remember you telling me that yesterday. The wind blew and rattled the window. The eerie sound of it whistling makes the blonde catch a goosebump. Your couch is pretty huge, Wens. I can comfortably sleep in it. Here was her prediction that she argued with Thing. The couch is indeed large enough to accommodate slumber, but to say it is as agreeable as sleeping to bed would be a lie. As they stood in front of the door with both of them unmoving, their conversation about the matter done in the plane now took no notice of. My late aunt, Mary, has her spirit sitting on it at midnight. Enid's mouth gaped, her face paled at the revelation. You're lying. She is truly lying. Bless her aunt Mary whose funeral she attended twice, as the first she rose from the coffin. Would you like to find out? Wednesday asked, her voice challenging. I admit, the idea of sharing a bed might be too ahead for us, but we would be doing it in the future. All first times are said to have this uncomfortable feeling. Uncomfortable feeling. Yes. I feel as if I have indigestion. Enid laughs. Loudly. Aren't you so honest? She wipes a tear shed. I think you're just nervous or something, but yeah, it's really uncomfortable to feel the symptoms of nervousness. I do not get nervous. It might be the cyanide. She has been treating that as juice since she was three, not that she would reveal. They ended up with Enid's brilliant idea of putting on pillows in the middle. It looked Silly, the wolf clamped her mouth shut as she talked with the appendage. You have a different room, thing. How big is your room? Do you have a bed? The two chatted on the couch as Wednesday used the bathroom. Having her clothes changed. 
Her hair remained braided, opting to undo it in the morning. Yes, he has. Now, thing. Kindly retreat and require us to rest. The limb sagged, patting the colorful nails of the model. Good night, buddy, Enid bid. She stood up and grabbed the new set of clothes she'll be changing into. There is a spare towel inside. The goth informed. They heard the door shut as Thing exited. Thanks. Wednesday went straight through her table, she wiped away the dust and pulled the typewriter close. The bathroom door clicked open and Enid cleared her throat, interrupting Wednesday even before she finished writing the first stanza. Um, Wednesday, she began, her voice soft and hesitant. I was wondering if you could help me with something. Of course, what do you need help with? Wednesday asked, turning her head to see the blonde come out and push the door. Fully clothed. Enid took a deep breath before finally asking, could you help me take off the zipper of my dress? I can't seem to reach it myself. She motioned. Wednesday's heart skipped a beat at the request. She stood up and walked over to Enid. The model turned around, revealing the dress with the zipper not only pushed to the highest, but the back also has punched holes, lace thread like a shoe tightly. Can you even breathe wearing this? The raven huffed. I have to undo the lace first, the zipper is in the posterior of it. She received a hum and in the confirmation, she pulled the two ends of the ribbon like a gift. Her hand grasping the first top lace and pulling it afar to loosen the ends, the gentle force exerted made the blonde stumble. Her torso met the unexposed back. Remain still, she ordered. Her eyes flickered to the bathroom mirror in front of the door, meeting the gaze of the blonde through the reflection. She continued with undoing the rest, relieving a satisfied sound from the wearer. Wednesday laid her left hand on the bare shoulder, her thumb pressing an inch to the back of the dress, making sure it would not fall as she tugged the zipper downward carefully, her knuckles being dragged to the lowest part of the hips. Enid was burning under her touch, so naturally warm. The slit revealed the curve of the spine, revealed more of the blushing skin that felt soft on the barest touch of her hand. The raven didn't remove her hands away immediately, her stare hardly blinked off and swayed from the view. Hold your front. Enid's hand obliged without question. The blue eyes flickered red for a second, the blonde seemed not to notice, as she stared only at the reflection of the goth staring at her with the same intensity that she cannot label. As the brunette leans, her chin scraped slightly at the naked shoulder, the scent of the sweet perfume more intoxicating than the norm. All done, she whispered. Her eyes hooded as she watched the blonde's throat swallow, her eyes traveling to the ridges of the collarbone. The heat emitted to all parts of her body, her senses not wanting to pry away. Can I be honest? The answer was nothing but silence and stillness. The heavy breathing of the blonde kept on allowing her chin to brush repeatedly.
I have a slight feeling of selfishness with having others see you wearing this daring glittery copper dress. But if you wish to wear it in an event, I desire to lurk around you with my fingers buried in the holes left by the lace, tracing circles to remind you I am right behind, would that be all right? Her tone remained the same, the only difference was the excess puff of breathlessness each word carried. She's surprised with how much control she has not to move any more than just the stance they are in. Enid was so, so beautiful in front of the mirror, so explicitly readable. Her strained abstracted voice replied Wednesday's name as if she had not completely heard the query. Are you uncomfortable with this, loose MIA? Her voice melted soft, her hand steadily helping to hold the dress from falling. No, no, I'm not uncomfortable with, with any of this. Wednesday's lungs constricted at the quick release of air accompanied by a smile. Very well. She murmured against the blonde's ear. She guided Enid's hand to hold the backside, retrieving herself and restraining the urge to plant a kiss on any presented skin. She'll have to go. She has to be out before the burn is too much to hold. Enjoy your bath. Chapter 15 The Land Caught What the Sky Wept Enid stayed inside the bathroom for minutes, maybe an hour even after she got herself dressed. Contemplating walking outside just yet. She has forgotten her pouch where all her makeup essentials are stored. Her manager has been telling her not to put on makeup before sleeping. She knows that even the gurus on YouTube have been warning about the effects of it. It has been part of her skincare routine to wash her face and leave it bare as the night rolls, not risking clogged pores, acne, or breakouts. She is 100% aware that the residue can mix with the natural oils leading to inflammation and pimples. Plus, the skin repairs itself at night, it wouldn't be able to breathe if products are on top of it. She massages her temples, she's basically bent over the sink. Her position looked as if she carried all of the world's problems. If it hasn't been obvious, she's stressed by showing her bare face. To make it worse, her phone too is left at the couch, and she's been pacing back and forth without anything to keep her entertained. No, her skin is definitely not at its worst. It took all her teenage years to find the perfect products to make the collagen and elastin fibers of her face healthy. She isn't overreacting either, she could stay all night here till the tapping of the typewriter keys outside stops and be replaced by soft snores. Maybe she's just kind of insecure, and overly still shaken, not in a bad way, definitely not in a bad way as to how the ghost of the touches stayed even when the water streamed to the same areas, even with the scrub of soap, even with the wipe of the cotton wool of the towel as she pats herself dry. Wednesday Adams looked too good in her pajamas, too good even with her face washed off from all the tiny little efforts she's putting understandably into her already perfectly mulled face. Her fiancé looked the same but her lips in a lighter shade, her lashes free from mascara, her features being softened just a tiny bit. The brunette cannot simply see her like this.
She's not coming out, Enid. Wednesday calls outside. How cruel can the world continuously be? Enid, you have been there for almost two hours. She buried her face in her hands, internally groaning. Are you going to use the bathroom? Please, no. She returned to look at the mirror, watching the motionless door. No, but your phone has been ringing for quite some time. It is bothering my writing time. What the fuck? She bit her lips. If that's Yoko, she'll be dead as soon as they've met. I'm going to recontour your fangs flat. Can you please hand me my pouch? I don't know where Lurch put it. There was no reply, but a sound of light tapering of feet. Seconds later the brunette has already been knocking. Enid opened the door slightly, her arm stretching out to the tiny space she allowed. Even without looking, she can already see the stoically confused expression of the goth. Thank you, sweetie. She slammed the door shut as soon as she got her pink pouch, pouring the contents on the flat surface of the sink. Her nails sank in hesitation of risking every consequence of sleeping in with makeup. Fuck it, she'll just schedule a dermatologist. She patted the powder and caressed it evenly. She searched for her pencil and drew her eyebrows fairly. Twisting the handle of her lipstick, she smudged it to the base of her thumb lessening the pigmentation, smearing it properly to her lips, moving the top and bottom to the opposite direction, and then to her eyelids, closing one to be able to do so. That must do, it would look light and natural. Should she put an eyeliner? That would be too discernible. But it would make her prettier. She shakes her head, disagreeing with adding more. The fashion industry must have made her crazy. She stowed the pen and the kit back in the pockets, arranging everything while consistently casting her eyes back to the mirror. She didn't realize how hot it was inside the bathroom that she shivered after stepping outside. Wednesday has stopped writing, switching to reading a book. Her back still turned, not an eye bat to the blonde. That would be better. It was even for the best if the brunette goes to sleep after so Enid could immediately rub the things she put on her face. Enid laid her pouch in the compartment of the huge cabinet, snatching her phone to where it lay. The separate blanket she had brought was the only vibrant color on the bed. How can you even know if you already have bed bugs? She questioned as she relaxed into the mattress. The manor was both clean and not. It's full of cobwebs and slightly dusty. At the same time, everything is arranged symmetrically. The floor looks waxed. Polished along with other furniture, the carpets are vacuumed from how her heels retained white. It's cleaned once a week, loose MIA, Wednesday responded, still visibly hooked to whatever she was reading. Enid hid her smile at the device she was holding. Wednesday having a pet name, for her in different languages, was the least she expected. Is Wednesday even aware that they are acting like a legit couple?
She drifted back her attention to her phone that flashes blue light, a notification from her socials. She dragged her thumb from the top to reveal all of the alerting bells. Her GC's last messages are in bold. Yoko's calls total two. She dialed the vampire, her head tilting from the way her best friend was posing as soon as her call was answered. Yoko is pinching the bridge of her nose, her jawline shown as she's facing the side. Stop looking as if you're thinking girl, I know there's only air in your head right now. Looking offended, her best friend's hand transferred to her chest. Even air is being paid right now, pup. Have you seen the bottled fresh air they are selling these days? It costs a hundred bucks. How can you even tell it's fresh? Crack my head open, mine is fresh. Shut up, Enid giggled. Oh. Wait. Hey Wens, I'll take the call outside. She moves her legs at the side of the bed, inserting her feet into the slippers. If you're concerned with me eavesdropping, Thing has purchased noise-canceling headphones, it has been rotting in the drawer for years. You're with Wednesday. She lowered the volume of her phone, putting herself on mute as she signed the vampire to stay quiet. It's okay, I'm planning to get water anyway. I have a flacon of water there. The goth pointed. It comes with glass. The hallways are haunted at night and I doubt you'd make it through the kitchen without screaming. Her mouth gaped. Even the hallways are haunted. The call was ended by her friend and the time on the phone flashed 12 a.m. Hairs on her forearms stood at the sight of the couch. All of a sudden she remembered, my late aunt, Mary, has her spirit sitting on it at midnight. She ran back to the bed, pulling the blanket up to her neck. Is your aunt here with us? My aunt? Yes. Your aunt Mary. Wednesday clamped the book shut, her posture poised as she turned the armchair facing the bed. No one's here with us. So you were lying. Enid accused. The blanket slipped off as she rose. I can summon her here. The blonde formed a cross of no with her fingers. Absolutely not. I will if you won't tuck yourself in my bed. I sleep like a disaster. Wednesday shrugs, disaster is not a negative word. Enid sighs, slapping her hand to the pillow in the middle. You see these? This will be gone as soon as I sleep and you'll be the one replacing them. Wednesday's hand steepled low. If you don't like us to share the bed, I will be the one settling on the divan. No. Wednesday heaved an exasperated sigh, you're making reasons. They are half-truths. The brunette blinks and Enid realizes how dumb their conversation sounded. I will be in the divan or we'll share the bed, that's the only option, Enid. We'll, we'll share this. She ended the discussion, letting her occipital bone land on the pillow. Making herself busy with her phone. Yoke OS. 
12.03 a.m. Darling, you didn't tell me there's a honeymoon. Oh yeah, I'd definitely print out your summer fits. 12.07 a.m. In my dreams. Gross. Why are you printing my pictures? 12.07 a.m. Are you too lacking communication or something? Anyway, for your information I told her your complaint about having only the silly picture, the one she made as a portrait then she told me to look for your other pictures. 12.08 a.m. And you're printing them. Are you two already besties? 12.08 a.m. She said she'll cut off my source of blood if I won't have it done. I mean it was a good deal if I accepted it. She offered me more than enough gold for a casino. 12.08 a.m. Golds for printing. Oh God, I thought she handles her money well. 12.09 a.m. Says the one who spent hundreds of thousands for what? A bag the size of my fist. 12.09 a.m. Hun, the world only has 10 pieces of it, it's reasonable. And please, is she planning to fill the walls in our house in San Francisco with my face? That is so. So Sir Gomez of her. 12.10 a.m. Things sent me two pictures of her, haven't you seen them? 12.10 a.m. This is betrayal. How come you always get first with having her pictures? No, I have not seen them. Send them here right now. Enid, Wednesday calls as she stands beside the bed. Enid has laid the phone down, pushing herself by the elbow to sit once more. Should I turn the lights off, or would you prefer it on? I'd like them on in case I'll go to the bathroom in the middle of the night. Wednesday nodded, sitting on the other side of the pillow in the middle. Uncomfortably moving not to touch it. Sleep early, it will be a tiring day tomorrow. Tiring. You consented to Tio Theodore I've heard. Ah, the plan of trying to make her shift by making her undergo the normal playtime of werewolves with a spice of how the Adamses do it. Right, well let me just say goodbye to Yoko then I'll make sure to rest. You wouldn't wash. She tightens her hold on her phone, gnawing on her bottom lip, as she tries to come up with an excuse. You're not planning to sleep with chemicals on your face, aren't you? Her gaze landed somewhere else, anywhere just not to see the suspecting brunette on her side. Where's your pouch? What? Why? Enid tosses her blanket to stop the goth from searching. The hammering of her chest pounded to her temples as she received an exigent stare. You won't show yours. I'll use my own. Wednesday's hands wrapped around her wrist, tagging her along to the drawer of her table, pulling cleansing towelettes. To anyone in this world to whom you're scared to show everything about you, it shouldn't be me. The blonde was guided to sit on her side of the bed, Wednesday standing between her legs as she pulled wipes. She stopped before applying it into the blonde's face, 
looking for a sign to continue. Enid counted on her breaths, biting nothing in between her teeth. Loose MIA, poor favor. She muttered a quiet, fine, and her chin was lifted by two fingers without much force. Her hand clenched to the ends of the brunette's top, her worry being soothed by the dark eyes, tender and unyielding. Close your eyes, Wednesday took her time to swipe the colored eyelids, not putting much pressure to not irritate. These, these are all meant to enhance your beauty, not to make you give anyone an impression as if you're a doll, a god. Long, slow strokes are done around the cheeks. She felt the absence of the wet cloth, feeling a new one come in contact with her lips. Myra Q. Hermosa Eres, Wednesday murmured, which made the blonde lower from not understanding. My beautiful, beautiful woman, Enid opened her eyes, feeling the self-esteem that fell, rising caused by the wavering glimmer in the jet locks. The words were punctuated in a voice filled with certainty, more than enough not to formulate a doubt. You should know that even bare, I will worship you. Enid wished her mom could witness them at some point. Of her being held and treated preciously from exposing more and more of herself by a person who she's being repeatedly reminded that would let her go if she's not perfect enough. What's in your mind, am I Muja? She shakes her head, the side of her lips folding, letting the seer know it's not something unpleasant. A buzz snapped their locked gaze, the nickname of Yoko being displayed on her vibrating screen. Every time that she has this day adds up to the reason I'll make sure her fangs can't even puncture a damn jelly. Enid huffs. Wednesday gave the kind of smile she'd usually just do when amused. Enid couldn't even be bothered to evidently gush, afraid that if she calls it out it would be quick to fade. Wednesday steps back, retreating figure leaving more ghosts of touch. Being an early bird is not something common in the household. The majority have only been awake in the afternoon, their lunch is taken two hours past the normal, and so they have to rest and let their body digest before telling the family about the activity. Wednesday has spent her morning writing, advancing what she can write as they progressively become busy. Her writing time barely followed. I am not using any of your knives on them, Wens. She wasn't exactly shouting, maybe a little, but not in a manner of anger, just scolding. Wednesday has attached a set of knives all over her body, currently wrapping one even on her boots. Even before leaving, she was surprised by the tips her aunts, Wednesday's cousins, and even parents gave about the techniques used by Pugsley, Fester, and Theodore, as if they normally kill each other. Try not to go somewhere with water, even just a puddle, Fester's electricity can run fast. You have to think of a way to outsmart Theodore, his senses are heightened when he shifts. Pugsley's a great marksman. A hand-to-hand -hand combat would put you at an advantage if you're good at it. May heaven bless her today, she's putting everything into how she spars with her brothers, hoping it would be enough along with her instinct that she takes pride in. Wens. 
The goth even bargained by wrapping in yards of colourful yarns in the handle thinking that would make her agree. Admittedly, it did lessen a bit of her contempt towards the harmful material, but it didn't add to her desire to ever use it. Do not hesitate to use it on us, Enid. It's not like I won't use some for you. Theodore smiled and spread his coat, the side of it hanging different blades. She awkwardly grimaces. A part of her is still processing the day, a huge part laid on the knowledge they would fail. Sis, you don't even let me borrow your knives, Pugsley commented sitting in front of them along with his two uncles. Enid, raise your arms. The seer demanded as she slings a jacket to the blonde. Enid inserted both of her limbs, noticing the forming fog to the window. It's extra cold today. It's impressive you're more concerned about the weather than the fact we are driving our way to the forest. Just then, the car stopped in the middle of the road, Wednesday held both of her arms to help her stabilize, as it was maneuvered inside the woods. We have an hour before the sun sets, we'll stop when it's night time. Your abuela would be meeting Enid later. Theodore informed as he opened the door and hopped down. Pugsley and Fester following. The four of them will be dropped in the same location and will spread out, Enid would be dropped last, and Pugsley's phone call would be the sign that it has started. Loose MIA, the brunette calls before she comes after the three, never hold back. Break a bone, Sinclair. We don't mind. She waved them goodbye as the door shut. Enid inspected the forest through the glass, looking for landmarks that could hardly be memorized as to how enormous and spacious it is, repetitious plants bestrew the earth. It was a ten-minute ride and the trees were getting too narrow for the car to be driven, Lurch groaned and stopped the vehicle. Her hand started sweating, chanting to herself not to mess up at least. Thank you, he gave his signature dead stolen glance before Enid went out. She couldn't tell if he silently wished her good luck. The soil felt moist, the light barely illuminated the thick part of the area where Lurch left her. She flinched as her phone vibrated in her pocket along with swift swooshing sounds she knows better to prioritize than the device. She ducks, long pieces of what seems to be a dart entering deep within the sapling. The blonde quickly assessed her surroundings. Flying daggers can either be Pugsley or Tio Theodore. She went in for a run before getting to figure out who, entering thick bushes, eyes flickering to everything present in front of her, taking into consideration even her peripheral vision. A small figure not from afar made her halt and avoid making the squelching sound of footsteps. Pugsley was looking around, his hand holding the same design as what passed through the sapling. Enid watches him silently, crouching down and realizing her blonde hair would easily be seen. She waited patiently until he strove for a run to take note she wouldn't be bumping into his direction. She rips the lower side of the jacket Wednesday made her wear, tying her hair in a messy ponytail, looking foolish, 
as she covers the ripped cloth to her hair, barely being able to knot it and keep it in place. It helped, that's what she thought, finally realizing why Wednesday switched the choices of her clothing to dark shades, it blends well with the bleak surrounding. A lot of realization was administered to her, like she should have suggested for the flag not to be black, at least blue, red, anything not black. A crack of a twig not coming from her was enough to inject adrenaline that made her stand up immediately when she fell from the dagger now sticking at the back of her right thigh. She spun just in time to see Pugsley coming from one of the tall trees towering above casting long shadows, sending another in her direction. Her paw cover was struck and laid on the ground as it was hooked by the flying blade. She charges forward along with his fast recoil of pulling another one, sending him down and apologizing as she disarms his hands, her mind formulating options she never expected she will ever make. It could be snapped back, I promise, I've seen my brothers do this. She stomped hard on his knee, the joint twisting with his cry. She gulped as he curled on himself. Run? Why are you explaining? Would you be fine? He looks at her in disbelief. Sis, just go before I twist my fucking knee in different ways until I get it straight back. Was that you, Pugsley? Fester yelled not from afar. She spared one last apologetic look before limping as she sprinted a kilometer away, pausing as she felt her tissues being hindered to stitch themselves back. She has to pull it out. The idea itself was as bad as it will feel conducting it. What would Wednesday do? She asked herself as she clasped the handle of the dagger embedded into her thighs. She'll pull this out and cherish the pain. With a deep breath, she pulls it out. Her throat felt raw from screaming which she tried to muffle by biting her forearm. Tears pricked her cheeks along with sobs as she put in some pressure. Fuck, come on Enid, her body protested in agony as she used the tree on her back to help herself rise. I can do this, I can do this. She's convinced she would be so dead if they did this at night instead of the day. The daylight has helped her keep track of everything in her surroundings. Sure she got herself impaled by a dagger, but she managed not to get herself stabbed by the presumably nine others that the boy had sent. I can smell her blood. She heard Theodore shout. Her ears perked from terror and adrenaline came back through her veins as she started to push herself to run. Stumbling on her first few forced steps with the sting from the wound. If the last time she hesitated to pull out Wednesday's own set of knives, this time she didn't. Her senses doubled an exceptional amount of focus. Enid coated the two knives with her blood, throwing them in opposite directions mentally taking note of where each landed. She rushed and yanked the yarn circled in the handle of the three other knives, shredding them into tiny pieces to know if she's been on the same track, spreading more of it along her red fluid, more of her scent to confuse them. The gashing of cloth from shifting was heard not far from her right, 
If she can manage to outrun Theodore's human form, there is no way she can do it with his wolf. She hid behind a large bush, pulled the last knife Wednesday forcibly attached to her boots, and used it by making a light tear on her arm with the sharp blade. Letting the blood cascade down and drip before cutting another length of her jacket. She then went on a huge circle of runs to the spots she recognizes. Catering her wound tightly with the torn material when she was satisfied the trail is enough. Hissing quietly at the ache. Thank goodness the grass was tall for coverage. Filthy. That's how she felt covered in grime, leaves, and her own freaking blood. Tired. All that running and bleeding to this forest she's not in any way familiar with. Fucking cool. Yes, that too. Never once was she able to play this rough. But it made sense for her pent-up energy to be used in this kind of way. It felt exhilarating. Like she can finally understand how her brothers came back after playing with her other siblings with few wounds and injuries, how they poorly described their senses being intensified with thrill. Large fluffy flakes fell down the sky, gradually covering everything in a blanket of white. It vanished all her efforts that were about to be buried. Her hopelessness fading as her pace never once faltered when she finally saw the flag. She didn't bother to look behind her back to see if they'd taken her bait. The way she spread her blood everywhere and wrapped the source of it as soon as she took her real direction. There you are. She trips and falls with a thud. Calloused hands of Fester pressed on her shoulders in an attempt to keep her down. I commend what you've done, however, it was a very poor kind of tactic. Her eyes remained fixated on the flag waving by the wind. Barely visible to the spaces of the trees planted not far from each other. Her ears muffled further phrases coming from the one holding her down. It felt odd, as if the weight pressed on her was weak it felt like a joke. I thought Adams's play rough. She rasped out as she easily brushed the hands off of her by intentionally letting her claws out to the upper arm, piercing so deeply she felt a bone. Is this how you do it? An ear-piercing scream made her whine from how loud it sounded. She pushed Festus' weight off and sprinted, the sight of the fluctuating flag boosting her speed. Very impressive, Sinclair. He shouted with a cackle. Enid felt her breath being taken away as she went flying towards a tree from the sudden collision on her side. Her back creates a loud thump as she slightly bounces. Theodore's wolf form snarls as he slowly approaches her slumped condition. His canines were out dripping saliva. Fester's disappointed face walked towards her while brushing the hole in his sleeves with a ridiculous amount of blood. She was cornered a laughing stark. Enid let her head rest on the trunk, barely able to completely catch her breath when Puxley pushed himself to the midst of shrubs and landed on his knees, his eyes in distress. Tio. We must go. I saw packs of wolves running around. I've been roaming around and I already saw two separate groups. 
Why would packs of wolves linger? Festa queried. Perhaps the eclipse. Maybe they are preparing for it, Wednesday. Wednesday gave her knives to Enid before we left. Pugsley flailed. A chorus of howls coming from different directions made the four of them freeze. Their minds were in unison, as in sync they rushed through where the flag was planted. Theodore howled loudly to make his presence known, his agility in his form is superior making him lead. Festa was the second to pursue. Countless images flash inside Enid's mind, all influenced with the surging emotions, worry, protectiveness, possessiveness. Her vision was cut off temporarily from immense pain, as she felt her bone shifting underneath her skin. She heard her name being called by the boy, but she could hardly think straight from the feeling of her muscles adjusting. Every single transition even with the arrangement of her organs happening at the same time. None of her clothes was spared as she expanded in size, white fur growing on her skin. Energy courses through her as it was completed and she leaped. Every single creature she can hear and smell from a wide range. Three forms were in the middle of a herd, two of which were bleeding. She lets out a fierce howl, challenging. Her mind is fixed on the urge to eliminate all of the scents she doesn't recognize. The ground will not only take hold of what the sky has to give, but also the pending blood that will be shed by the nearby wolves taunting and taunted the life of what her wolf screams as her unmarked mate. Chapter 16 Beseech the Condemned Raven Wednesday paces around the flag, uncharacteristically pained by the seconds ticking. She is accompanied by the limb waiting alongside hers in the middle of the forest field with microscopic creatures that have long evolved for centuries. How many minutes has it been since they started? The appendage opened all of his five fingers, repeating the gesture twice. Ten minutes. He confirmed and she impatiently crossed her arms. It has always felt like far too long waiting. Have you slept well? He asked. Trying to do more than just stand until the four arrive. Believe me when I say I suffered from keeping the barrier Enid built. He gives a curious stance at her statement. Reluctantly, she told him the reason. She collected pillows and ruled it as a line that separates us. Why? It is a rather childish explanation, I'm afraid. She recalled, allowing a faint smile on her lips. He happily shakes himself from imagining only optimistic reasons. Have you tried playing cello for her? Cello? It has been quite some time since she played. I am grateful for the reminder that I am possibly rusty now. I shall have a piece played to know if my muscles still remember how to be an expert. You are a child prodigy playing that instrument. Rusty is not a suitable word. He responded. Perhaps it is not, but we will know soon. May I have you as my helping hand? I have a woman to impress. Anything I'll do for the two of you.
I see your loyalty has also been bestowed on Enid. Her younger version would have been jealous for things loyalty to be shared, but right now, all she could feel is how righteous it is. A strong wind bent the stick holding the flag, the two watched it be swayed. Do you think I have to hold it so it won't snap? She asks as they examine the capacity of it. Thing held it and tried to pull from the opposite direction of the wind. With the lack of body, his strength was not enough. Finally, he hops down. Signing, it's durable. But if it is swayed down, then the height of it would be lessened. The visibility of the flag may be affected. That would be exact, especially with the dispirited color. She nodded in agreement, clasping her hand to the old wood to help. Burn them all down. No one, not one, shall live. People were marching like an ant colony, and Wednesday pushed herself up to follow them. The dark trail is lit by their torch. These witches, they have contributed nothing but misfortune, nothing but advocating the devil's magic, spreading it into our village, killing our neighbors. A man with half of his face partially burnt has screamed. Look at what they have done. My face, every one of you will suffer more than this if we won't end them all. The distinct trees are surrounded by curious animals who silently watch. In the middle was a huge drawn spell, locked by salt and casting stones. The people around him protested the same thing, kill. 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 Burn down all of the devil's advocates. All while they pushed witches along with their families, with children, and with pregnant women. The villagers' faces are coloured with hatred, disgust, and spite. One blonde woman has managed to knock down the locals that held her down. We have done nothing wrong. It is all of you who have wronged us. She recriminated. Wronged you. The same man who had been leading the people looked around, disbelief mixed with mockery in his tone, as he continued, you cursed us and in return, I will curse all of you. You cannot even wait for my morning to subside before inflicting this damage to my face, for what? To make my people be horrified for making me look hideous. For I, to lose the authority to command order. They will always be under me for I have found them. For I have built this town, this community is my land along with my family, my, my family, oh, great heavens my family. Their precious lives have been stolen, my house will forever be empty, and my heart will forever long, you. You, witches, are the cause of my downfall, the downfall of. You have gone insane, Joseph. Wednesday pushed herself in front of the crowd to see the commotion better. The witches are all wearing a white dress, their hands tied behind their backs. All of them are inside the circle meant to symbolize who will receive the incantation. The voices in your head are you, not us. Every single putrid action committed by thee is not our fault to bear. It is your sword that has pierced their flesh. It is your ears that have heard them beg. It is your mercy that they beseeched. Joseph steps in, his followers providing space for him to have. My predicament is not caused by me. I am no fool, 
I am no madman whose acts cannot be controlled. His long stick punctured the ground as he expressed his denial furiously. Your corruption and blasphemy are covered in papers and excuses, all of which you've successfully done with how your people feigned innocence even with suspicion have influenced your thinking you'll get away from your crime of murder that you will be burying in soil. But it won't, the guilt is heavier than you ever anticipated, it will drive you further deranged. The crowd noisily gossiped, infuriating the man. Do not believe this witch. My people, do not be deceived by her words. I have served our town for years, I fed all of you. You have controlled the pasture. The witch revealed. You made them believe that crops are lacking in harvest when you hid it in your basement in greediness to survive the winter. We are aware of how unworthy you are for the position, we whom you are trying to kill, he unsheathed his double-edged dagger. His eyes hooded in outrage. Enough of thy so-called revelations. Hold them down, together we will put the curse into them, together we will give justice for what they did to me, to my family, to us. Swilled by his words without question and distrust, the people's torches were raised, as he started, ABI in Malam Krusum. Together they responded. ABI in Malam Krusum. ABI in Malam Krusum. ABI in Malam Krusum. Witches cried as they were hit by a baton. Bathed in their splashes of blood by the executioners setting the cross. Istmihi Doma I beg of you, we are sons and daughters of someone. The child of one of the witches told. Joseph, studium nostri, studium nostri. We, we will depart from your land, give us your word. Interest omnium recite for seat. Joseph ignored their pleas and fueled the impulse of the people by pulling the woman who fought against him. His hand pinches harshly the cheeks of the blonde. Goody. His nails dug into her flesh. Thy judgment is wrong. Your falsehood must be corrected. She looked at him in disbelief, each word uttered spitting with harshness. Everything you think has happened is concocted solely by your brain. In reality, it is you. It is. You. No. He denied, his brows furrowing. No, you shall know how I feel, you shall undergo what I have gone through to love, to mourn, only then you will know. Joseph, you are the reason why your bloodline ends. Thy repulsive deeds are driven by thy lunacy. For you killed your children, you killed your parents, you slaughtered your blood, the stick he was holding exuded some kind of magic that made the witches writhe. Enough. It is not I that have committed such a crime. I loved my family. Unlike you who does not know how. Yes, yes, that must be it. That is the only way you'll know, that is the merciless way you would know the blood of you Adams shall live with the curse of devoting everything from whom your heart would beat for. Your incantation is the kindest one ever omitted. He laughed maniacally, his eyes shot red as he breathed heavily. Is it? You are raven, Adams. 
Your solitary path is not an aspect that may be changed by no curse and incantation. It is inevitable, you will be failing all of which are the same as you, the ravens, all of them will sustain hatred from seeing how everyone else lives by the prospect of love, and yet theirs, theirs will not last long. For whatever reason the curse will do, it will all end up with the same result, a tragedy. All because of thee. Goody pulled away from the circle as the others started the spell. She was spared to live and watch the others scream. You will love, and you will forever do so, and you'll suffer the same ache, you will suffer the same sorrow. That was the last line before her retina seemed to be engulfed by a cataract. Obstructed vision hazy and frenzy. Fire. Fire. Crackles. She uncontrollably changed positions to different sides of the area. Seeing things farther and then near. Fire. Crackles. Wind. Fire. Crackles. Wind. Blood. It continued, and it continued. Overflowing from one another, the pleas, the sorrows, the cries. Fire. Crackles. Wind. Blood. Death. The fire crackles with wind pooling of blood and deaths. Wednesday. A gasp and she reached out. Her eyes are lost as she takes in her surroundings. Wednesday you have to call her name. She's going to create a huge problem if she's killed all the packs. W what? She stuttered, looking at Fester crouching down to her side. There is no time. Enid is not listening. Up. Up. He wheedles as he pulls her in her armpits. There was barely light illuminated by the covered moon, cool percolating her skin from the winter that had arrived, inundated with limped forms of wolves. She recognizes Theodore nudging a white one competing with his size. Stopping it from attacking those that are running. Sis. Pugsley called, running from kilometers away in her direction. If these are the three then. She looked back at the two wolves. Blooming sense of relief being overlapped by multiple emotions. Let me go, she croaks. She was released from a supporting hold. Her steps are dug an inch by the fallen snow as she trudges. Enid. The two rolled to the ground as they clashed. Claws and fangs conflicting. Enid. She fastened her efforts, calling again and again. Enid. Loose MIA, if you won't stop you're really going to sleep in the divan. She scolded. Theodore detaches himself, looking to Wednesday and running to her back to gently push her to be faster. Enid was quick to get to her feet, her snarl turning into a frown upon seeing the brunette. Her perked ears bent back. She releases a soft bark, approaching gracefully. Is it really you? Wednesday asks, coming in contact with the snout. Smiling brightly as she forces it open to inspect the sharp teeth. All of them are as honed as her personal blades. Fascinating. 
She walks around and touches the soft fur in glee, earning another bark and a whine. Theodore, who Wednesday has failed to notice, ran to borrow Festus' coat hanging on his teeth. He came back and nudged hers and then turned to Enid. Which, the raven interpreted to do the same. She'll shift back. Just as she was asking, cracks of what seemed to be bone and a pound on the floor reverberated. Enid slumped on the ground, shrinking. Theodore turned and ran inside the forest to tend his own. Wednesday removed her coat and lent it around the transforming blonde, hushing in the noises of discomfort. Her heart clenched on its own. I've got you, she whispered, wrapping her whole arms to her fiancé, letting herself carry all of the weight as she propped the woman up. Enid's voice shattered in sobs calling for her name. I am here, am I Muja? She fixed the coat and carried the woman by supporting her back and behind the knees, lifting her own legs as she stands, securing the grip by threading her hands by the waist, allowing the model to sneak in her face in the crook of her neck. I thought, I thought you were hurt, Enid murmured. You were being nestled by Festa, and I was so worried. I am not hurt. She assured, laying a kiss on top of the head. I am far from harmed. I was having a vision. Vision? Everything came flashing. Goody? Joseph? Witches? People? Cursed? Killed? Wednesday? Enid's cold hand touches the side of her chin. Are you truly not hurt? She shakes her head, smiling gently. Rest, loose M.I.A. She secured her hold, depending on the warmth being emitted by Enid with only her buttoned long sleeves hugging her top. It wasn't long before the blonde she was carrying had even breaths, as they reached the others. Festa is shivering while holding Pugsley's phone, while talking to Gomez based on his voice. We will tell everything at the manor. Send Lurch to be at the same side where he manoeuvred. We will be waiting there, the forest is being lurked by species, no of course we are not afraid of them. Those stubborn-minded outcasts had to experience a near-death situation before understanding why we want them far. Uncle, Wednesday called. Oh? Gomez, I'll end this now, send him as soon as possible. It's freezing cold. How torturous. Yes, of course, we love it. But Enid is having only one piece of clothing along with Theodore, and neither do we, the remaining three, are wearing something that could withstand such weather. All right, all right. Goodbye. Pugsley took the phone back, offering his jacket to his sister. Enid is abnormally warm, I can bear the cold. Festa's appeal intrigued. No, I am not sharing her. She warned making her uncle simper. Sabrina, what did you see a while back? It is a discussion I am aspiring to have later. Do any of you know details about Goody? Theodore led them the way as he listened. Mother had a vision once about her past I believe, 
Pugsley told. Why are you suddenly curious? Is it hers in your vision? She nodded, sheltering the blonde who shifted to the falling snowflakes on her face. Let us have the discussion done after the feast for my woman. Chapter 17, Bite of an Apple Slipping into consciousness and unconsciousness, the scenes that Enid has seen and heard didn't make sense to Thread. It's not as if she's bothered to take in her surroundings, as well when her body feels all sorts of unpleasant peculiarities she's sure caused by the transition. Her bones are all aching, her organs that have all reassembled felt uncomfortable, and her skin felt feverish. But really, she thinks it's a privilege to feel such pain. It was like a reminder that it indeed happened, that she shifted, she shifted for. Enid takes in a hitch breath, smelling the redolence of forest mist on Wednesday, has lulled her to just rest. To stop trying to deal with anything else other than just her internal despair. It wasn't exactly easy when her cheeks kept on getting tapped, ineffectively so. One moment she'll see random sceneries and then Wednesday's face, and she'll try to mumble a few words she's not convinced have importance. Until all that dipping has stopped by the pungent sharp smell forcing her lungs to expand as oxygen surged. I'm sorry, loose MIA, you have to be conscious as you bathe or else you might slip, Wednesday said, tying her hair into a bun. Her nails dragged to Enid's scalp. Thing hops down with smelling salts, retreating to put it down and scuttle back. Enid watches the appendage, surprised to see how that the one he's holding kicked her fully into consciousness. They were inside the bathroom, Wednesday had her leaning against the wall before helping her sit and balance on her own. Enid watches the two work. Wednesday is ordering assistance to the limb as she prepares the tub. She watches how the goth rolled her sleeves, kneeling on one knee to dip her arm to feel the temperature of the water. Thing on the other hand has collected her clothes and towel. They look very much coordinated unlike her who was absent-minded and disassociated somehow. Your hair looks like a nest, the goth commented humorously. Enid could only groan in embarrassment. Heck, she must have looked so ruined and pathetic. You are still the most gorgeous woman I know. Come, Wednesday supported her to hop off. Her cold skin perfectly soothed Enid's feverish one. Can you do it yourself? Blush crept in her cheeks as Wednesday slightly tugged on her clothes. I can, thank you. Do you mind if I stay here? Enid spun her head to the goth, who suddenly looked defensive. I will have my back turned. I do not, because you might. Only if you allow, or if it makes you more comfortable it can be just thing. Enid chuckled, Wednesday was desperately looking for the limb who had already left them. You didn't notice he already took off. I suppose not, Wednesday answered. I'll call him to help you aid. You can do it, Enid said swiftly. I trust you, Wens, thing too. But I prefer you now not anyone else. Of course. Wednesday nodded, 
quickly pivoting herself as Enid pulled her sweater off. The blonde discarded her clothes and hops on, humming in satisfaction with the perfect set of lukewarm. Wednesday sat poised with her back turned to the she-wolf. Enid started washing herself and shampooed her hair. Comfortably playing with the bubbles, as she decided to stay a few minutes still before rising to enjoy the tub. You could have caused a ruckus, Uncle said when he woke me up. Enid really could have had, but that is a topic she'd rather be surveyed with when it's not still fresh from her mind. The blonde submerged herself deeper. Her mind drifted to a different open subject. What did you mention you're experiencing? The vision or something like that? I'm a raven. Enid gaped at the disclosure. She never had an encounter with a raven before. They were said to be visiting only the negative fate be it past or future. What did you see? My ancestor, Goody. I'll have to talk with my mother about it to balance the life of her that I saw. Mother is a dove. Oh, Enid found herself lost to say more words. A sickening twist in her stomach formulated. Have you seen me in a vision before our engagement? She said in a tone that resembles stating a matter of fact instead of inquiring, staring at the roots of Wednesday's braided hair. Her heart pounding in her chest with the theories. Did you? Enid. Did you, Wednesday? It took her a long pause, and it was the suffocating silence that engulfed them whole. Wednesday saw her in a vision before she did in that fucking high-rated place in San Francisco filled full of chandeliers and expensive vases. She certainly did, and she didn't tell. What did you see? She asked her chest tightening from the lack of response. Wednesday. Not much, it hasn't happened yet. Enid puffs air from profound disappointment. That is not the answer that I want. Enid hissed, breathing heavily. She wasn't sure why she was irate about it, or so she knows. Their relationship was purely for business and traditional purposes until it started being mulled into something more than just being bounded by a stranger. Wednesday would have told if she thinks it'll affect them, right? But she should have opened up about it, it was nonetheless a vision, and it doesn't make sense if it was an awful one for Wednesday to go through the concept of having herself married to Enid. In the vision, we were running and you were holding me. That's it. That made you accept our proposal. Is that how low you'll steep to anyone you see in a vision? What, no, Enid? Wednesday hesitated to turn her head and returned it to staring completely at the wall. Get out. Enid grabs her robe, standing and wrapping her body to it. She carefully stepped outside not to stumble, passing by the brunette, who stood immediately and followed her. Get out of the bathroom. Enid. You won't. I will. She turned her heel, frustratedly rubbing her hair. You know I truly do appreciate that you accepted our offer, and I am free from my godforsaken mom, although you were silent as a hill, and your tongue made people draw away from you from the start.
You weren't even terrible to have me accompanied, but why didn't you tell me as we got close? Was that vision on your mind the whole time you are with me just waiting for it to happen? I will not let it happen. Wednesday steps forward. You could have at least told me. Enid's lips trembled as she spat. I wouldn't even know what you are if you didn't slip and told me you were having a vision. Do you hear me? I don't know you fully and you almost know all of me, including an awful future we'll share. How is that fair? She irritatedly pushes Wednesday's approaching hand. I was openly doing whatever you say. I am trusting you to every single embarrassing occurrence I face. It is cold. Put on some clothes and we'll talk. Enid pulled her wrist from the grasp. Are you listening to me? I am, I always do, loose MIA. It is just improper to argue this way. A knock on the door halted the two of them. Thing who awkwardly went to open it showed Theodore, whose facial expressions changed after seeing the two. Abuela is waiting downstairs. Enid quietly retreated to the comfort room, clicking the door locked as she enters. The Adams family has showered her with congratulations and praises. She didn't have to force a smile for their kindness, but she definitely did force herself not to turn from the eyes that have been monitoring her. Wednesday's grandmother, without trying to hide it, physically observed her. Frump's black chapped lips pouted as she touched Enid's face. Poor wolf, Wednesday hasn't been the best in handling you, isn't she? Was the recent argument evident on her face? But that doesn't make Wednesday the least of a good fiancé. I doubt that she even knows, Abuela. You know your grandchild. Theodore interfered. Wednesday remained quiet on her side, Enid reached out for their hands to hold. Wednesday handles me well. She confidently confirms. Moving her thumb to skim Wednesdays. There is no way she'd have Wednesday embarrassed in front of her own family. The old woman only laughs, leaving them to sit in the middle of the long table opposite Gomez's chair. All of them followed to find their seats. I have prepared all of the ritual processes. We'll not have it now, Abuela. Wednesday cuts off, grabbing a sliced apple to chew. Frump didn't spare a glance. Nieta, I have it all prepared. Have it put aside. Why? Enid flinches as Wednesday slammed her fork. We will not have it done. Everyone stops their activity, heeding the Venus tone of the raven. Of course, Wednesday, Morticia spoke, elegantly putting her utensils down. As you wish, we won't have it tonight. Some other day, perhaps. That sounds lovely, Tish. It might be appropriate for some other time indeed. Gomez cups Morticia's hand. Theodore has helped ease the growing moss of pressure. I am glad to have my species concern be shared with another wolf in our family. Enid, it is truly an honor for us to have you in our pack. 
That is if you agree. You are still a Sinclair after all. I haven't thought of the matters yet, Enid confesses. Yes, I doubt you'll be able to have it done for now. Enid's brow met in inquisitiveness. Your emotions and actions are rather than impulsive. It's one of the ramifications of having just shifted. Theodore was dramatic the first time he did. Awful, awful evening if it wasn't for Miriam. Fester waves his knife. I'm surprised you appear fine to me. Are you holding back? No, sir. I'm, I'm fine. You cannot convince us when you're visibly flushed, Enid. For what are you calming yourself for? For what is she calming herself? Wednesday. It was all Wednesday. Not just her inability to share important issues, if Enid dares to divulge there is an itch, an attraction harder to hold. Wednesday and her dark orbs and her lingering scent that speaks of passion and gravity. And the way Enid has to repeatedly wash her face in the cold water of the sink. To give a cold shoulder to Wednesday, who waited for her outside, her first three buttons of white long sleeve undone, as if their argument has left her throat feeling constricted. The raven stood up, taking her hand. Formality was long forgotten as Enid was dragged back to their room without having said any words to the family members. How do you want me? The brunette asked, slamming the door locked. Everyone is hinting, including you, I am no fool that would deny such. Enid pierces her nails to her palm. Her eyes examined Wednesday's serious complexion. Use your pretty mouth, loose MIA. Let me hear you. I don't know. Do you not? Wednesday tilted her head as she stepped close. You're pushing me away when you want me this near, why? I was pushing you away because you make me, you make me feel dumb for not knowing you enough. I will tell you who I am, time did not permit me to do so because I was thinking we could have talked about it at some other perfect moment. Not now when we prioritized. Will you actually do it? Enid Sclera turned red as fluid arises in the bottom of her eyes. Will I ever know you whole? We had you shifted first, that is what's important. Why? Because you wouldn't have me if I can't. Wednesday looked at her perplexed. The extreme drop of emotion was apparent on her face. Her whole demeanor lacked confidence. Enid, Enid, you know that's not true. It wasn't. It was far from that and she knows it. Words carelessly spurted out of her mouth that she hadn't really considered how it would affect the brunette. Wednesday has proven that a lot of times, she viewed her purely as Enid, not the incapable, not the needy, just the Enid who likes the opposite of what she prefers. It wasn't, it wasn't, Wens. I'm sorry I know it wasn't. I cannot control what I'll say, I am confused, I am lost. God, I don't, I just want to, her fingers clasp Wednesday's collar, pulling her head for a kiss. 
The wall on her back felt cold and so was the body pressed in her front and the hands that firmly held her waist. Wednesday responded with the same intensity, you never have known how many times I had envisioned pinning you on my walls. The sweet tang of apple on Wednesday's lips she tasted after coaxing the brunette to part her lips, Enid can taste their shared shallow breathing. Or to have done this, Wednesday parted only to give kisses beneath her jaw. And she was so, so painfully slow, as if each intake of desperate breath released by Enid she tests. Wednesday locked eyes for a very short moment before lowering herself down. Her nose tickles the sensitive skin of Enid's neck, still giving pecks of kisses. Inhaling the scent of all the skin she grazes with. You enchant me close, and it pains me to set all the things to keep you far away. You better mean that cause I'm fucking throwing the pillows in the middle. She felt the brunette smile. Oftentimes Wednesday's lips would stay a second longer and wooded up some pressure. And the sound of her lips drawing away mixing with the sound of Enid's laboured breath and her deep ones was the only one clouding Enid's ear. Mierda, Sinclair, you burn me. Those were just light kisses, Wednesday's lips were just pressing to the skin and yet Enid is nothing but flushed and writhing with want that she failed to utter it ended up sounding like a pathetic whine. She's not exactly sure what she yearns for. Wednesday has her whole clothed body pressed in front of her, working her mouth, caressing the blonde sides Enid wishes done without even notice. A part of her wishes for Wednesday to just completely succumb to what she desires, and these measured calculated moves weren't meant just for Enid. She wanted it for them, not entirely for her. Wednesday shouldn't kiss her just because that was what Enid wants, because that's what Enid must get from having just transformed and having all of the anatomical, physiological, and psychological matters. She wanted it to be downright, what they wanted to share under no situation required. At the very least this isn't something that they are doing under no obligation. But still, no, here she was always fucking pathetic. Under the excuse of having to calm whatever pheromones are said to be intensified. Loose MIA, Enid has failed to notice that Wednesday has stopped. Do you want me to continue? Is it enough? I have to know, you must let me know, Wednesday worked on the tears dropping on the side of the blonde's eye. See? This is what she's talking about. Enid's chest felt so heavy, perhaps it was of the guilt. Wednesday was generous and kind and gentle and understanding Anne, and she speaks so differently with her than to anyone else, the tone of her stoic voice shifting ever so slightly. She's always vocal about what she feels that even if Enid wouldn't ask she'll say a phrase that would drive her stomach churning. Wednesday would always make sure she had a word about something she predicted Enid would be conflicted with, crossing any rules and boundaries. It felt too much. The care Enid was receiving was so much that she was starting to get scared it would fade. I feel a little overwhelmed. She admits. Because truly, she is. And when Wednesday, 
has taken it as a sign to stop Enid pulls her and grabs the back of her neck and gives in. She takes appreciation for everything, and she savors each fucking reciprocated move of Wednesday's lips. Enid wants her so much and she wants to be wanted and to be as considerate and as gentle as slow as Wednesday, but she's failing miserably when all that her mind is having is this woman who kept on calling her pet names in languages she doesn't speak of and all that her body wants is to just stick by this simulacrum of a grumpy black cat. Wednesday was intoxicating and a magnet with the force of a black hole. Enid was no astronaut and she definitely has no rocket to help her get away, not that she dreamed of having. She pushes back the brunette slightly, noticing how her lips were chased until she spoke. Do you want us to keep going? Enid asked, her voice obviously hanging on a thin hope. And goodness was Wednesday nothing but desire per se Enid's back. Arches as the cold hand travels through her spine and encourages her to be closer, as if their wrinkled clothing and the mold of their torso squeezed together haven't been mimized. She took the initiative to make both of their lips touch, her eyes shooting an irritated look, as if it was too soon to be parted. Patience. Wednesday sounded breathless. Her bangs which were usually in order are messy. The braids in her hair sticking out, her lips swollen and smeared with Enid's lipstick. We might as well make use of this before I kick it out, and you won't have a choice, but to be right beside me. Wednesday walked her to the divan, sitting first and pulling her along, sit on my lap. Enid was all too eager to comply. And it wasn't long before she was straddling the brunette's lap with her weight, and doing the same with peppering kisses, all over the jaw, and nibbling a soft spot beneath the ear that Wednesday murmured her name, the vowels sounding carnivalesque. Enid travels down, inhaling the same scent of body soap on Wednesday's neck that she has used in the bathroom, and the faint unique scent that Wednesday only possesses. And God, she wanted so much of it. She sucked, her tongue lapping the skin that her upper teeth had trapped. And Wednesday groaned lowly and she jolted away panicked. I did it hurt. Oh my God, shit, I'm sorry, Wens. I didn't even ask if I can, if you're okay, with having hickeys. Enid slightly gasped from the sensation of Wednesday's hand lifting her shirt, caressing her bare skin. What an insatiable term. Do it again. Wednesday's eyes were glistening, Enid didn't even have to be told twice. She dived in without hesitation, leaving temporary marks on each spot her mouth would drag with. She reached to the crook of Wednesday's neck, her fangs coming out as her mind screamed claim, claim, mine. Wednesday, can I? Don't, don't mark me, Wednesday whispered as her hand went to cup Enid's face away from the spot. Enid froze from the statement. Her canines retracted and she felt small and ridiculous. Because of fucking course, why would she mark her now? Why would she ever do that? I'm sorry, yes no, no marking, it tasted bitter on her tongue. It threw the escalated mood and all she wanted was to bury her face to the ground or run, or be anywhere where she can hide, 
but she didn't. Enid chose to tighten her hold and come back to where she's been. We're not done with our conversation, Adams. Wednesday presses a kiss on her hair before wrapping the blonde in her arms. Rubbing lazy circles to Enid's ribs, who was nuzzling on the same site she almost bitten. Demanding why might have turned out completely different. She doesn't want to question Wednesday, when she has already consented to too much of her needs. But she wonders if it was just for now. Or if it was a rejection to become Enid's mate.